are we able to access our superconscious state? Consciousness, we know, is quite obvious. The tangible, palpable experiences are cognitive, emotional, behavioral, our senses, the things we are aware of. But the superconscious, that some may call the unconscious or the subconscious, is beyond us, but can we access it? And this isn't a small question, because if you can, then we can enter into that zone and perhaps rewire, readjust something that may need improvement or correction, something that may have injured us, a deep trauma, a past experience. In addition, it would allow us to be able to draw from there, from that reservoir, more strengths. So please join me in this part three of a series, How Consciousness is Born, Six Steps from the Quantum Superconscious to the Conscious. Hi, this is Simon Jacobson, and welcome to part three of our series, How Consciousness is Born, Six Steps from the Quantum Superconscious to the Conscious. This program is dedicated by Yitzchak Weiner. It's also dedicated by Judy Kirk in loving memory of Jean Bernard, Carl and David Uni, and Miriam Krauss. In parts one and two of this series, which you can find at MeaningfulLife.com. We discussed, based on a text of the Pardes, which means the Orchard, a magnum opus composed by the 16th century mystic Rabbi Moshe Cordoviro. So we discussed the six steps of how consciousness is born from the superconscious. Six steps in the superconscious, what the Kabbalists call the level of Keser, literally means crown, but it's the superconscious, and you can even call it the super, superconscious, higher states that are beyond our reach, but they lie behind every conscious experience of ours. We also discussed how that superconscious state can be polluted by toxic experiences, whether it's pain, loss, tragedy, trauma, things that become embedded in our psyche, Think of, God forbid, an infection that enters deep into our innards. And it can remain there and cause all kinds of effects on us, whether, whether it's anger, whether it's fear, insecurity, issues around trust. So that's what we covered in part one and part two. In part three, in this part three, we will discuss now, can we access that superconscious state. You know, just to give a very, uh, I guess, crass example. You know, when they say going under the dashboard, if you have an appliance or an automobile or anything, and there's something not working, so you give it to an auto mechanic, and what do they do? 
they start thinking, they start looking inside to see what's going on behind the scenes. And then they can identify what the problem is and correct it. The same thing with using a medical example, a physical medical example. So if it's a superficial injury or cut, you could generally you dress it in a very symptomatic way with a Band-Aid, with a painkiller. But if it's something deeper, so a professional, a doctor, has to diagnose what the issue is. And at times you may need to take a X-ray or a CAT scan or MRI or all the different ways that today we see what's going on so-called again behind the scenes. How about when it comes to our psyches? So there's human behavior, everything is going smoothly, you're reacting to things in a natural way. But what happens if there's extreme anxiety or pain or fear, things that actually paralyze or numb us or make it difficult to function, especially in the area of emotional life, relationships, so again, if it's something more superficial, maybe it's something with time or short-term interventions can work. But if it's something deeper, that's not that simple. So we also have to dig, have to go under the dashboard, behind the curtain. And that's entering into that superconscious state that we're discussing. That's why it's so important to understand it well, because the more you know what's going on, that you take the X-ray of your superconscious, the more you can then figure out what to do about it. Now, as always, whenever you go into areas that are deeper parts of a person, just as it is, God forbid, with surgery, there's always risk. There's always special care that has to be taken. You need to, to be extremely sterilized, very pure, because the, the more we open up our inner side, insides, the more vulnerable we are, the more, ten, the more, the more fragile we are. That's why it's very important to do this properly. You know, there's a lot been talked recently about psychedelics and different type of experience that, um, that allow people to enter that place. That needs to be done with extreme care and needs to be done with professionals who understand. It's not, it's not a simple matter once you open up that part. Sometimes you need to go there because simply life is not working or we need to access where, where the issue is, just as... You don't begin with surgery, you begin with other interventions, and then you go deeper in. So that's when we're dealing with a negative thing. When it comes to accessing the superconscious in order to open up more channels, that, of course, needs a good reason to go there as well. Because that part is, very deliberately, we've been created in a way that that remains behind the scenes. And what we experience is on a conscious level. But nevertheless, accessing it, talking about it, relating to it can definitely improve and dramatically transform your life. So that's what we're going to address now, accessing that, both in a positive way of drawing more creative energy from there, drawing more power and hope and strength and fortitude, as well as dealing with some of the toxic and polluted stuff that can enter in that place as well. And there are actual methodologies that go back thousands of years that are ways and methods that allow us to access and draw from there. But accessing doesn't necessarily mean you're entering in there physically and you're rewiring something. It means that when you do certain things on the conscious level, that are essentially our ways that, that enter into that space and draw from there. And since there are six steps, 
There are six methodologies, each one dealing with another step. Now, as it always is, the deeper you go, the more, as I said, the more vulnerable we are, but the deeper you go, the more change you can create. So we don't necessarily need to go into the sixth, the highest, I would say the first of the six steps. But you begin with the sixth step. And if that is not enough, you go to the fifth step, and then the fourth step, and the third, the second, and the first. So how do we understand this in a way that we can relate to? So let's just review the six steps again, just to make sure we have that clear. And then we'll discuss it in terms of in psychological and in practical terms that we can actually um, do something in accessing and relating to that, that those dimensions, which really was Mike, what make, which is really the forces that make us tick. So the six steps are as follows. First begins what he called in the Pardis from Ramak from Ramosha Cordovero, the first glimpse, the the first glimmer, I should say. And using the example of the development of a fetus, the moment of conception, it's almost invisible to the eye. But something has happened. So there's the moment where something has emerged, but you can't even define it in any way. Nothing is revealed. It's as if, he says, as if it's not even there. But you can't say it's not there because something has happened. It's it's within the superconscious, something has emerged. The second step is something is revealed. You could identify it. But you can't identify it yet as an entity. There's something that is accessible in the sense that something is more tangible, if you wish. Not tangible physically, but within that level of the superconscious, something has emerged. Think of it again, the development of a fetus is not the first moment of conception. Maybe a day later, two days later, where you can identify a cell It may not have split yet. Then comes the next level where you can identify consciousness itself all within the superconscious, mind you. It's not something that you and I can access. We're not feeling anything. We're not aware of anything. We're not conscious of anything. But in the superconscious, this level, what we call Chochmah, within Kesser has, something has emerged. But more than emerged, something that we can call what he calls a sphere, you can call it an entity. Then come the next three steps. The next three steps is preparing this entity to firstly be able to encompass more. Because remember, to have a full-blown child, it's not just enough to have a cell that has developed. That cell has to split, has has to be able to to contain the and allow for the splitting of the continuation of the splitting of the cell so it can turn into limbs and organs and all the details that define a full human being. The same, th- same thing here. Step four is that it has now the power to actually contain other dimensions. Step five is not just that it can contain and receive, in other words, able to relate to other dimensions, but it actually has the power to develop those dimensions, that they should actually emerge from it. And step six is where we're ready for the child to be born. Consciousness is ready to be born. So you need four and five because consciousness is going to consist more than just one aspect. It's going to consist of including in itself many different dimensions, which we're going to discuss momentarily. And step six is now it's ready. It's ready to be a full functioning entity. And this entity, mind you, once consciousness is born, it's also going to have six levels. The paradise continues to discuss.
The six levels are the same thing. The consciousness begins almost invisible, but there's something there, a spark of an idea. Two, where you feel it, and there's something revealed. You can feel the kind, you can feel an idea has entered your mind, a feeling, but it's just a spark, a flash. Three, it becomes something more defined. Four, it is able to encompass and become ready to develop into what we call bina, into many details. Five, that it actually has the power to enter into those details, to be revealed and be expressed there, not just to contain them, but to be expressed. And then six would be now that bina is ready to be born from chachma, which means a full-blown fleshing out the idea in, in many details, but it's not bina yet. It's not yet understanding and comprehension. And then in Bini again, you have the six. So in essence, as he puts it there, the lower three of Keser, of the superconscious, will become the top three of consciousness. The lower three of consciousness will become the top three of Bina, of comprehending the consciousness, which means once you develop it into a full-blown concept and idea, and so on with all the spheres. Okay. But now let's explain this in... in, uh, in practical terms. In practical terms, let's first dissect a moment what is consciousness. So consciousness in this context is usually referred to in three ways. When we say our conscious experiences, they can be cognitive ones. You're conscious of ideas. It can be chachma, bina, das, which are the three stages, chachma being the spark of an idea that we're discussing, the beginning of consciousness, bina is the development of it, but they're all, one thing is in common, they're already conscious experiences. The second category is emotional. And there are actually three primary emotional experiences. That could be love, it can be reverence, it can be respect, it can be awe, discipline, compassion. And then there's behavioral experiences. Behavioral doesn't just mean actions, it means the emotions as they relate to something actionable. And when you look at all of them, these are 10 spheres, 10 conscious spheres. Again, to break it down, in the Kabbalistic terminology, the acronym would be Chabad, Chagas, Nihi, or Nihim, which is Chabad, Chachma, Bina, Das, is the three cognitive faculties. Chesed, Gvura, Teferet is the three emotional ones. And the three or four, well, we'll say four to be 10, is Netzach, Chayd, Yisrael, Malchus, briefly, Determination, humility or yielding, bonding, and dignity. Three categories, but they're all conscious experiences. Behind the scenes, under the dashboard, is the superconscious that drives the cognitive, the emotional, and the behavioral. Now, what we, what we are familiar with, obviously, is the conscious. That's why it's called consciousness. But we're going to discuss now how through your consciousness, you can use your consciousness to access superconscious states because they all originate from there. However, they are in a concealed way. That's why we called it quantum superconscious. Maybe in a state of indeterministic state, a state of probability. It's amorphous. It's not really congealed and become a solid. Like we gave the example as well, the difference between vapor or gas, liquid and ice, the same water can be frozen and it's a solid. If it's melted, it's liquid. Tangible, but liquid, mobile, fluid. And a gas, which would be something that's far more amorphous, something less tangible. 
Just another example of generally three states. We're talking about six states. So the six states are, are an energy that is behind the scenes that defines the consciousness. Now, in a in regular process of our lives, as I said, when things are working smoothly, we generally don't necessarily dig deeper to understand that superconscious. It's usually when there's a problem, then you start digging and saying, what's going on? Why am I just having these outbursts of, of sadness or depression or anger? Why am, I dif- why am I finding it difficult to function? So that is on the negative end. Something is embedded in our psyches in the superconscious state that needs to be addressed. On the other hand, the positive side is the superconscious that drives the consciousness. At the end of the day, the chachma, the spark of ideas coming from a reservoir, as we discussed, that is beyond us. So if you can widen those channels, you, it will help your creativity, it will help in general to create a more wholesome human being. So what are the methods? In both areas, and we use the example of the garden. When you want to produce beautiful flowers in a garden, you need to nourish, nurture, make sure the seeds are being not cultivated to blossom into beautiful flowers, but you also have to weed the garden. Get rid of the toxins, the pollutants, the things that may cause damage or may, not, or may impede its growth. And the same thing is on a human level. <clears throat> so, here we go. In, the, in, in, in life, we need to have two things for it to really function properly. Any, any life, any individual, in general terms. One is you need to have solid foundations. We'll call them roots and seeds that are established in a very solid way. Just like when you build a building, before you build all the upper floors, you need to have a foundation. If you don't have a solid foundation, you won't be able to build anything. Anything you build will be negligible, will be weak, will be wave, will be, uh, won't be steady, won't be... Just like a tree needs to have deep roots. And then the tree can grow. If the tree is not growing properly, you have to look at those roots. In the context of consciousness, and then you have to have the second half, which is the tree itself. If it just has roots, if you only have a foundation and you don't have upper floors and stories, you can't live. No one lives in a foundation. You live on the first floor, the second floor, the third floor. A tree is not just roots. A tree blossoms into a tree, whether it's a fruit tree or it's another type of tree. And then it branches out. And if it has leaves and fruit, all that is necessary. But you also have to have those foundations. The foundations are under the dashboard. They're behind the scenes. You don't see them. You don't see a foundation. You don't see roots. In the physical world, you can dig them up. In the spiritual, psychological dimensions, you can't dig them up quite and see them, but they're still there. So on one hand, we have to have solid foundations in our lives. And that's our value system. What do we stand for? And that's unwavering. And it's not subject to change. Because if that changes all the time, if that shifts all the time, that's like a shifting foundation. So that's accepting certain values, certain axioms that drive your life, what you believe in. Absolutely, ready to die for. And I mean that, not literally, I mean to that. The commitment is all the way. And then there are things in life, which is our conscious experiences, that there's room for change. Not only room for change, it should be changing. It should be growing, just like a tree that grows outward. Just like the floors above the, in the building that you live in. That you can change, you can add to it, you can design it, you furnish it. 
So in life, you need two things. One is the solid foundations that are unwavering. And the second are the things that we express. And that's what we express through our cognitive, emotional, and behavioral, through thought, speech, and action. That's our lives. Now, there's always going to be a problem if one is missing. If you don't have the foundation, so yes, can you function? You see, millions of people are functioning, even though they may not have those solid foundations, or they may not be aware of them. You can't function, but you'll be lacking a fundamental principle. What do you stand for? Think of a marriage. Think of a relationship. If it doesn't have that solid foundation, even if you're partying and you're having fun, something won't, it won't be the glue that allows for the building, the structure of an eternal relationship to really take hold. And unfortunately, when you see today relationships, crisis in relationships and intimacy and love, that's a result of foundations maybe lacking. On the other hand, if you only have a foundation, as I said, that's not life. Life has to be lived on a conscious level. So there always needs to be behind the scenes those foundations. And that's what associates with the superconscious. The healthy superconscious, essentially, to put it in different words, is the experience of a higher reality that's not quite accessible in a conscious way. To give an example, it's like when you stand in awe of something that's beyond you completely and you get lost in it. You're completely absorbed in it. So your consciousness is completely dissolved within that higher experience. It's some higher reality. It's a higher truth. And it's beyond intellect. It's not just because it's not about being proven or something that you can calculate or mathematical equation. It's just a, a, a given. It's a given that you know absolutely this is a given in my life. It's not irrational, but it's super rational. Hence, like super conscious. In Hebrew, there's a word for it. It's either the concept of faith or the concept of kabbalat ol, which means accepting a higher calling than yourself. It's bottom line, it's not about you and your comfort zone. It's not about you and your subjective interests. You're actually accepting something beyond your subjective interest. Now, here it's important to emphasize, faith is not the absence of reason. Faith is not like what some people, the stereotype is. Yeah, it's like a crutch. When all else fails, you turn to faith. No, faith is a step beyond. It's the supra. It's reason takes you to a door, but then you have to make a decision, and the decision can be based purely on reason. Ask anyone who chose their soulmate in life. Yes, you use your mind, you use your heart, you use all your resources and all your tools, but at the end of the day, to walk through that door, you need something more. Some people call it a leap of faith. I won't call it quite that. But it means that you're accessing something, a certain surety, a certainty that's not purely based. Obviously, intelligence, emotions are necessary, like any due diligence. But then when it comes down to it, why are you making this decision? How are you so sure? You have to go by certain instinct, intuition, call it what you wish. It's ultimately an accessing and and, and a manifestation of your superconscious. So it's not something you can actually define, but it's clearly real. And it's unwavering. It's that commitment that a parent has to a child no matter what. If your child is sick, God forbid, you don't say, well, I can't take care of my child that night because I have to go to work tomorrow morning. It's the the ability when we sacrifice ourselves, and I mean that in a positive way, for something greater than ourselves, that's accessing the superconscious. Now, in that itself, there are six stages and six levels 
Because on the other hand, it's not enough just to have those unwavering foundations, that higher reality. It's not just experiencing something higher. You need to now bring it into conscious reality. At the end of the day, we want to express the inexpressible. We want to bring the superconsciousness into consciousness. That's the whole purpose of existence. That's the purpose of our lives. So therefore, the superconscious now will go through stages to become part of the conscious. That's in the way we're formed. That's not even up to us. Just like a child develops in nine months in the gestation, the pregnancy, the same thing the consciousness will develop from superconsciousness as we discussed the six steps. But now that you are a conscious human being and you want to access that, whether it's in order to draw better, greater energy or to heal from a toxin or, or correct something that needs to be corrected, you need to access those deeper truths. That's why it's not a surprise that you'll find in the first of the 12-step programs or any other type of recovery and healing the acceptance of something greater than you are. Essentially, what they're saying is, whether they know it or not, whether they're conscious of it or not, is the acceptance of a superconscious reality that's beyond us. And as I discussed in part two, that superconsciousness is not the beginning of it all. It manifests what, what Kabbalah and the mystics call the Ein Sof, the infinite and beyond infinite higher reality. But it's becoming part of who we are, first in a superconscious way, and then it's channeled into our consciousness. So the first step of all, in the number one of the six, is pure, pristine, undiluted experience of a higher reality, where you don't feel anything. That's why he says in the part, it's barely there. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but you don't, there's no ego, there's no sense of self, there's no, not even, there's no consciousness, even on the super, even the consciousness within the superconscious is completely absorbed. The closest example I can give for it is when you're not feeling a reality that you're experiencing. For example, you're absorbed in reading something or listening to music, and you completely lose yourself. You don't even know if you're hungry or thirsty or tired. You, don't even, you can't even talk about the experience because there's no experience outside of that. What I mean by that is you're not observing it and saying, oh, here's what's happening to me. The subject and object have dissolved into one, completely being in the zone. So consciousness is not even identifiable. But that is on the deepest level. From there, we need to draw that into consciousness and then come the next five steps until the birth of actual consciousness, you can talk about it. So really what we're discussing is six steps of achieving a higher state of awareness. Six steps of achieving a higher state of consciousness. And then drawing that into our conscious beings. Because on the other end of the spectrum, and that's why you need those steps, you need a full-blown child. You don't just want to have one cell, one foundation, one seed, just the roots. You want to have the tree. And the tree takes those six steps to develop. And then the other end of the thing is the way we experience consciously. And how do we experience things? Again, through the cognitive the emotional, and the behavioral. That's already our conscious experiences. But to get from that higher reality, experiencing something beyond us, into experiencing it in a way that we can express it and live by it with our minds, understand it, and, and feel it, and act on it, that needs the six steps. Now the question is, how deep do we want to go? So I just described going to the ultimate so whenever anyone comes to me, for example, and has a real deep issue, you always look and they say, I'm very confused, I don't know what to do with my life. My marriage isn't working, my work isn't working, I'm not feeling good. 
I'm just giving you an example, take an extreme example. And then when you go through the usual suspects and you dig deeper, you find traumas, you find abuse, you find hurt of different sorts. What do you do? We can't go back to the past. The first step is help the person identify what are you certain of. You say you're confused. You say that you're lost. You're not sure how to... What, find, let's find something you're certain of. What are you absolutely certain of? I love my child. I'm just giving an example. I believe in the concept of goodness, being kind to people. Things, you're looking for those roots, that first cell, that first superconscious, that's somewhere buried within it all, but you want to access it. So you may not be able to access it, as I said, you can't enter there, but you can draw from there. How do you draw? By identifying in this person's conscious awareness of what their superconscious beliefs are. What do you really believe in? And that belief is the experience of the higher reality that the superconscious allows us, because that's ultimately the goal. The conscious is our experiences and our awareness. The superconscious opens up the door of a higher reality, which is to that which is completely beyond the superconscious, like we spoke pre-symptom, pre-all the concealment, when everything was all one, when the doors of perception are cleansed, everything is one, infinite and beyond infinite. So that's the first thing you're looking for. Now, but you don't need to necessarily always go to this first step. Sometimes you have to go to step number six first. And what are these five other steps? So that we will discuss in part four, how each one is slowly bridging from that higher reality, the roots that are completely beyond us, but they are the foundation. They are the unwavering higher reality and how that higher reality begins to manifest first within the superconscious states in some form, something you can touch, you can feel, then an entity in step three, then it begins to encompass the ability to contain the rest of your life, the rest of your life experiences, all in the superconscious. Then the number five will be how it is able to then express itself in the rest of your life experiences. And finally, ready to be born into your consciousness and draw those five levels and to the sixth level into the actual birth of your consciousness into your very conscious experiences. But to leave you with one final point, and we'll elaborate on this in part four, is the concept of the spiritual spa. Just as a human body, when you go to a spa, it relaxes, it's invigorating, it revitalizes us, etc., there's also a spiritual spa. Spa is an acronym, as I've been discussing in different classes, for study, prayer, action. The three pillars upon which the world stands, upon which the personal, your personal microcosmic world stands. Study, prayer, action, which is cognitive, emotional, and behavioral conditioning. Study, to put your mind, your conscious mind, into things that are super conscious, to study, not just study mathematics or science or uh, computer programming, but to actually study about things that take your mind to a place that's beyond the mind. Emotions, which is the, the prayer, the emotional conditioning, is getting feeling and relating emoting to things that are beyond you and the super conscious. And ultimately action, the actions we do, whether it's acts of kindness or charity or volunteering, that access the third element of this third step of the superconscious, which is as it manifests in action.
And that too will break into two parts because three times two is six. So we're talking about six stages. And as I said, we'll discuss that in our next part. So, my friends, these are the beginning of using the methodologies and the tools of reaching deeper into ourselves that can both access higher states of awareness, but also heal from things that may have polluted or toxified that. And it begins with, as I said, with that unwavering foundation. And then we need to draw that into things that we can somewhat experience in a way that we can, we can palpably feel and experience. That's how we bring the superconscious slowly into our consciousness. And as I said, we'll discuss that in part four. Be blessed and be well. This has been Simon Jacobson, the Meaningful Life Center, MeaningfulLife.com, where you can see this program, plus parts one and two, as well as, of course, it's all on YouTube. And please subscribe, share with others. And I'd love to hear questions, comments, feedback. And until part four, be well and be blessed. Thank you. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com slash donate.